You are listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset. I was thinking of switching the nameplate. We want to help demystify marketing to reduce risk, drive more and opportunities, and grow your business. Are you ready to master marketing? All right. That's all right. Whatever you were saying, it was going out over the air somehow. So I hope it was nice. Anyway, welcome to B2B Marketing Mindset. We help small businesses get bigger because bigger is better, especially here in Texas. I'm Pete Montfrey, and today we're talking about one of the most boring topics ever, money. So specifically, what's the best way to determine the least amount of money needed to, to meet your objective? So I mean, I'm gonna repeat that. What's the best way to determine the least amount of money needed to beat your objectives? So we're gonna share the five most common ways companies create budgets, and then we're gonna show you the way that it actually works. And with me to help sort it out is Bill Lowell, marketing professor, owner of Business Development Directives, a marketing research firm located behind the Cheddar Curtain uh, in Wisconsin. And I feel like this subject, I, I think this subject is interesting. Bill thinks it's super boring. So keep watching and you be the judge. <laughs> So, well, no, I, uh, how do you set the marketing I, budget? Oh, God. Well, it's just that I think that marketing, PR, and advertising people will, a lot of them will find it boring because they're mostly creative people. So it's kind of interesting, but we'll make yeah. it exciting. You it's know? funny because we, you know, we're generally considered a creative type of business, but, you know, we're all about the math. Um, but, you know, there's, you sent the, you know, the, the six different ways. And mm -hmm. I have an opinion. I think that. I think that five of them are what I call fancy guessing. Yeah. Um, or all hat, no cattle, like we like mm -hmm. to say in Texas. But that's just my humble opinion. So. And there's, uh, there's a lot of ways. I mean, I think what you've done is hone in on, I think, some of the five or so uh, best ones. But I think, I mean, I when we've looked the ones at this. We've seen the most commonly. Exactly. In Ex work. Like these yes. are the ones. And so, yep. and they're not stupid or anything. I mean, they, they make sense, you know, like everything in marketing, the, the real answer is, you know, it depends. But we're so generally, this is the deal. And so let's just jump right in. Uh, I call them the five fancy guesses. One, competitive budgeting. Bill, tell me about that. Competitive budgeting? Is that, yeah, competitive budgeting, yeah. number one. So this one, right here, we got I'm not a fan of, but but it is one that's being used all the time. So the competitive budgeting is where you take a look at your competition and you whether it's through a trade group or actually knowing them or doing whatever and trying to copy them and and you know it's like let's do what do what our competition is doing and you know you and i can talk about this but i just think there's so many things that are wrong with that you well, know it's it, but that's it's a part huge of approach a, isn't that part of a larger phenomenon where you know it's kind of the old they have the competitor the competitors brochures and they spread them out on the table and yeah. they, they, what they want to do is look just like the competitors when actually what they should be trying to do is look, you know, exactly the opposite of the competitors, but that might, it's already, it gets entrenched in their heads. And, you know, we, we worked for a big cemetery company, believe it or not. And, and I think they had fallen into that too, where just everything was lawn, you know, yeah. everything in the yeah. whole industry, everything was green and lawn. Surely you can do better than that, but and, and then that applies you to know, the budget. So what they try to figure out, well, what do you, what do we think? How can you, how can they even figure out what their competitors are spending if it's a private company? Yeah, well, there, there are a lot of uh, what I call support groups out there, or groups that are industry trade groups that 
technically, some people would say they're illegal, but I know of many of my clients that are members of them and they'll meet with a group. And But it might be like somebody like, like you and I, maybe it's somebody from Milwaukee, but somebody from Austin, maybe it's somebody right. from Denver and they get together and they kind of talk about it. So there's a lot of people that do it that way. But again, there's just so much wrong with that because we're all different. You know what I mean? You can get a rule of thumb, but we're different. You know, our markets are different, you know? Oh, that's, that's just, yeah. There we go. You know, with the uh, with the same as before, Pete. We, you know, we've we've talked about this a lot of times. Uh, a lot of people might just look at their same budget. What did we do last year? And then they, like you said, they might increase it two percent or or whatever the case might be. And so uh, that's that's a tough one. But really, from my perspective, one of the reasons why that is not a good one is because it doesn't take into consideration any emerging trends, emerging competition, things that have to be different. So I, in, in my opinion, it hinders your growth and innovation. So I think that that's a real scary one when people are doing that. But I think a lot of people do that just because they're naive or they don't want to take the time to figure out sure, you know, how, how to put that all together. Because it's budgeting is a lot of work. There's no doubt about it. And sometimes just doing the same as last year and adding 2% makes it you know, so much easier for people. All right. So, you know, I, I think it's more work than people think uh, by a long shot. And, and if you're in a corporate environment, there's a good chance that people just don't want to take the time to really know the numbers. And and, you know, in this case, you know, well, this this one I would say is, you know, same as before would be the shortest cut one. You know, hey, this is what we always spend. I mean, that's just nuts, because especially with post covid Nothing mm -hmm. is the same as it was before, uh, and your budget shouldn't be either. And maybe it should be less. I don't know. It depends on your business. It depends. That's the answer. It depends. Percentage of sales. I, I could talk about this one for a minute. I think you should. Assuming people can hear me at all. We'll, we'll find I, out I later. I can hear you. We'll find wonderful out. Wonderful voice. You're doing That's great. wonderful. Sounds good. Uh, this is, so this is, relates back to you when you were commenting on the industry uh, roundtables. And I, we've been in those as a, as a company as well. And you share your financials. And they also do studies. And they might come out and say, and I even you know, looked up in Forbes, which says this, and McKinsey says that. And it's usually you know, something 9 for B2B companies, 9 to 12% maybe they put out. It seems to be what most of the places are putting out. Again, it's an aggregation of businesses completely not like yours. And so you, it's just a form of sort of fancy guessing. Should it be 7? Should it be 8? Should it be 9? Should it be 10? Should it be 12? Do we even know? Do we even know our numbers, percentage of sales? Right. Um, I don't know. Um, that seems like a pretty loosey-goosey type of fancy guessing right there. Can I give you a, a, what, one of the things that I think is really wrong with that approach, too? Please. Well, I actually have two things. One would be what happens, if I, what happens if I have a bad year? 
So now right. my budget goes down when I probably really need to beef it up. So it's like just it's right. a little bit of an insane approach, you know. We're cutting so, across the board. Exactly. You know, and then the other thing that I guess really bugs me, and I think you can speak to this probably better than anybody in the country, and that is, you know, this is a short term approach, which in my mind is totally ridiculous because isn't marketing and, and shouldn't your the growth of your business be a long term strategy? And yet this just refines even more and highlights Oh, we're doing short term because it's a percentage of our sales for this year. So that's where we're going to be. And I don't know, I have a, I have a real problem with that. one. <laughs> so that seems like maybe not the best way in in the professor's um, in the professor's opinion. So I agree. I, I think that's just a sloppy way, honestly. Um, this one, you know, what you can afford at the moment or what we've called sort of like cash flow budgeting. I think that's what you mean by that. It's sort of like. Uh, I think out of that grows the idea that we're going to pay for marketing out of the proceeds of marketing, right? There's a snake eating its own tail there. But uh, is that what you mean by that? Are you talking about for the percentage of sales? Yeah, what can you afford at the moment is the is uh, number four. You know, um, well, there's two that I think we're talking about here. One would be the percentage of sales budgeting, which we just talked about, where we... Right. look at our, our sales and all that kind of good stuff. And so there's where, like I said, I think that focuses too much on the short term, the all you can afford kind of thing or what you can afford. What can we afford? Yep. What we can afford. You know, I understand that one more than anybody and you do too, because we own of our course. own businesses and we've done it. So sometimes you just, we call it the law of the situation. You know, it is, we are where we are and this is what we right. can afford and we're going to do whatever we, what we can with it. So I understand that, but again, there's, there's some other things that could go wrong with that too. You know, I, I, you know, we're going to get to the objective one, which I think makes the most sense, but it's like, what happens if you really need to do something that is so important and you, it's all you can afford, you can't do it. It's like, well, yeah. Okay. You know, because, you know, to, then you have to, what's, if you start looking at it, like it's not just cash, it's huh? so it's like sort of cash based, you know, cash flow based budgeting. It isn't just cash that you need. It's just if you look at it more like it's resources and resources could be labor, time or cash. Right. So there's that's going to be a fairly finite amount that you need to have to bring to market. And so most people, if you're just looking at cash, um, you're really never going to get a return on your investment because I, I the only thing I can say is it just doesn't work that way. I wish it did. You know, yeah, I wish it but, did. But let me give another comment, though, that I think is. This is more of a lesson for those marketers and PR people out there, and I hope they make you smile on this. So many times when we go out and we try to work with a client and they go, oh, I don't know my budget. You know, you tell us what this is going to cost. You know, I mean, I could go on and do some other. What's voices. it going to cost? Which I don't know. I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair question. What's it going to cost? But, I, but the other thing, too, though, is if you have a client that says to you, Pete, I only have and then you fill in the amount. This is all I can afford or this is all I have. Right. You're going to, if it's reasonable, you're going to do what you can to still do a great job for them. But if you have to play some kind of guessing game and then get to that point, I mean, you're going to be exhausted by the time you even think about starting marketing. <laughs> and so it's going to be, I think it just starts off well, on the negative. This is, you know, this is a little off track, but it's so juicy. You're right. It's like, is that number, let's say that, and, and there has, most clients share some ballpark numbers with us, so we kind of get a sense of, you know, we're going to go back and figure out the, 
the best we can do with that. And here's why. Uh, in the history of my career doing this for three decades, no client has come up with a budget that made me start shooting guns in the air and drinking tequila and heading for Mexico. Uh, it's always a budget where we're like, hmm, gosh, how are we going to make that work? And that's just the reality of it. So, you know, if there's no trust, then we, you, we usually say with people, look, it's, you know, we, We'll estimate a flat fee, and we know we'll tell you right up front what it costs to work with us. But some companies have tons and tons of variables. Sometimes our stuff does too. And so it's just there's so too many variables here in, in, in method number four. So let's go to number five, zero-based budgeting. I have my idea of what that is, but I'm, I'm just a country boy, you know, I'm just a yeah. country. Hey, you know, I want to mention also, if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes or Amazon or Pandora or uh, iHeartRadio, there's a nifty website where you can see how good looking the hosts are at B2Bmarketingmindset.com. Video there. If you're watching this live on video uh, on YouTube, Twitter, or LinkedIn, you're probably scratching your head. Why are they talking about this? But it is for our audio-only listeners. And if you stay with us to the end, we're going to show you the right way. So zero-based budgeting, another clunker. What do you got? Well, in a way, this is similar to the next one that we're going to do, but not quite. So I'll kind of leave people in suspense about that. But typically what this does is we have a pool of money that we're going to work with. And so what we do is we rank or prioritize the tactics or the things that we're trying to accomplish. And we, you know, we try to get them prioritized, but when we run out of money, all of these other things that probably oh. need to be done, they're dropped off. And so it's like, you know, so some of the things that are probably really important get, get dropped off at the end. And, and I'm not sure that that's, I think, uh, I think it relates thing. to your previous point where, you know, marketing is almost always front loaded in terms of yes. the cost of it. If, unless, so and then we're talking about companies who maybe are really getting, trying to go to the next level. You're going to have to put out extra resources or maybe you're starting marketing, right? Maybe you just have relied on the phone ringing. What's the best way to make a million dollars in business? Uh, start with $2 million and wait for the phone to ring. That's always, <laughs> ding, ding. I just changed the joke forever. Uh, Play it's the true. lottery. <laughs> uh, just spin that wheel. Um, but I think I think zero-based budgeting ignores some of the realities of going to market, its complexity, what things cost, and, and it inevitably is going to run out and you're not going to get a return on investment because that's what this is all about. What's the least amount of money that we can invest so that we don't lose it and we get a return on the investment and that we're also, we're not overspending. We don't have our agency or whoever, our employees going to Mexico, drinking tequila, shooting guns in the air. And people don't shoot guns in the air. I just the other thing to I'm going to give, I'm going to give a little bit of a trigger warning. Safety first. I want, I want trigger. To, I want to trigger a, warning. I'm going to give a trigger warning here. Uh, with the zero-based budgeting, the, the trigger warning is, Marketing, PR, advertising people, they're not going to appreciate this because who's <laughs> uh -oh. running the budget? It's the finance people, or you know what I mean? Or it's right. somebody else that's that's really running that type of budget. And so, um, you know, I not, nothing against yeah. finance people, no. but it's, it's I don't it's, know, it, it doesn't hit the investment like you talked about. Well, most things in business can be uh, are linear in the way that they work, right? Marketing budgets and allocations and how that uh, money is applied and spent uh, is not a straight line on a chart. It's like a machine. Let's compare it to a machine. You buy a machine and it makes a thousand widgets more an hour than the machine you had before. And so right. you know how many mi widgets you sell and you can do the math and there's this nice, even, steady curve. 
Marketing doesn't work like that. Um, I, I hate to keep saying that, but it's, you know, I think th this is one reason companies struggle with marketing. It's one reason we have jobs is because it's just a complicated deal these days. There's, there's yeah. a lot to it. And so that zero-based budgeting doesn't take that into account. So it was, I was just going to say it was interesting. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, I'm giving, away the, I'm giving away the juice here. I got the last one up on the screen, which I think is the right one. And we had, didn't, we had different, you and I had different terminology, but we yep. agree that it's kind of the same thing. So break-even budgeting or what we like to call cost of acquisition budgeting, which is really boring now that you say it. Um, Cost of act, yeah, that is, our name is boring. And I, I keep looking over here, folks, because that's where all the controls are. And I see Bill over there. He's sitting oh. over there for me. So, uh -oh. uh, okay. but are you gonna, since, since this one is such a hot one, do you want to address this one or do you want me to take it and then you can like fix up all the damage <laughs> that I do to it? No, I'm curious to hear, hear uh, how you do it. I can tell you the, the way that we do it is we figure out cost of acquisition, lifetime value. We do our math. We kind of make decisions based. Sometimes we'll use some of that industry uh, research and we'll dial that in with the, the client's gut and the historical yeah. and maybe combine a few yeah. of those other things. But mostly it's based on how much we're we willing to invest on a per deal basis to win that deal, whatever that amount right. of money is. Uh, yeah. And so and then once that sets your and then and you know how many deals you need. Right. So you do the right. multiplication. Uh, and there's another video that I did that shows you more, in more depth and how we use our modeling process and on how to do this and how to how to find your cost of acquisition and lifetime value and know all your percentages and all that crap. It's in all that boring, boring crap. Uh, it's in that other video. We'll put the link down in the comments. Um, but then what we do is work backwards from getting, you know, get researching what do things actually cost? The things that are on our marketing plan list, tactical, uh, what does it cost to revamp the website uh, or you name it, right? There's a million things in marketing. We're doing five more trade shows this year. What do they actually cost? And then work backwards, come to the middle. And I think that's why you call, is that why you call it break even marketing? Well, uh, break even budgeting. I think you're exactly right. So, for example, let's say one of those. Let's say that we're going to spend two hundred eighty thousand dollars on a trade show, or for all of the trades. So, I'm just throwing out a number. Right. You know, and then hey, let's say one that, trade show can cost that much money. Yes, of course, easily. But I'm just, I'm just throwing out. A, forget about trade show. Whatever it is, two hundred eighty thousand. And out of that, nice let's round say number. that we get, we get the average might be thirty five thousand that we might get in revenue from that or whatever. That means you divide that, you get you get eight new customers. That's that's the break even. So if that trade show is gonna generate that much and we get eight new customers out of it, that's pretty good. But what happens if we got ten or twelve? You know, now it's a it's a little different story. So Right. Or what if we got two? You know Exactly. Uh, then we're in trouble. You're maybe right. Maybe your you strategy know? maybe you you know maybe you didn't really take advantage of all the opportunities that a major trade show offers to uh, market to the people and to touch the people. Maybe you didn't, maybe your message was wrong and people walked past your booth down on aisle L7872, yes. right? Uh, and that booth cost 10 grand, by the way. And so maybe all these things, but if you're doing this, or if you know where you're going to break even, and you know, right. this becomes all about 
predictability so that you can, if you, if you budget in the, in the way that we recommend, you'll be able to predict when you're going to get a return on investment about how much of that is. And it's uncanny how accurate it is. It's freaky sometimes. And I, maybe it's because we've just done it over and over again for so many kinds of companies. Let me toot our own horn there for a minute. But that is why. I mean, it's just you know, seeing how different industries and different types of companies, different sizes of companies work, mm -hmm. this type of budgeting works for the smallest of the small and the biggest of the big. Because well, it's you, a cold, non-emotional, numbers-driven way, and your finance guy will love this. I'll yeah, throw and, that. And in. like you said, which I think is a really key element to this approach, and that is, you really do need to factor in what's the cost of, or what's the value of that new customer or client or whatever over the lifetime. How much are they going to be spending with you, or what are they going to do? Because that's really right. that's important, you know. And life, yeah. So lifetime value, and and that's not a linear curve either, because. Think about this. Let's say that your trade show example, those eight customers, of those eight customers, one or two of them refer to more customers because they had such a great experience, but your normal lifetime value calculation is not going to include that. Uh, so, you know, you could put in your model uh, whatever you want. I guess I think what, I'm, what I want to communicate out of today's audience is, and what I think is really useful is, there's some fairly simple math that you can do to, to get a rough budget and then dial it in to what you feel is a safe level of risk for you. Maybe you're somebody who yeah. can tolerate a lot of risk, right? You might f put more funding in. Maybe you don't want to take hardly any risk. You might do more planning. You might invest more on the front end, right? However your own equation is, plus what does your gut tell us? There's actually some other key considerations that you mentioned too. So cost-benefit analysis, for, for example. So, yeah. and, and if I'm... Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you have a model that you've shared online or that you could it's, share with our, our listeners I that kind of helps them through this if they want, you know? I do. I actually made a video uh, showing you exactly how we do it for clients, uh, uh, just opening the kimono and showing you the tools and putting the numbers in. And and uh, we'll put a link to that video. It's a different episode of the program, and we'll put a link to that episode in the comments. Um, yeah. But cost I, benefit, I think that's a really, you know, that seems to be an obvious one. Um, you, had, you had something you wanted to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, like a derivative of that break-even one and the one that you were talking about, some people will refer to that as objective-based budgeting. You know what I mean? In a way, right. it's very similar to this break-even, but what it's, what it's really, the, the end result there is it's the same as the break-even. We need to know the value. We need to know how much our costs are. We do the dividing so that we know what, a new customer is going to cost us, et cetera. But with the objective base, they almost take the attitude, even if you only bring in two customers versus eight, it's still good because we needed to do that objective, you know? Right. So it's, it's designed for the objective, which let's, you know, some of the other things that we talked about, for example, um, what we can afford, that is not objective focused. Uh, what uh, What is an industry percentage that companies like us typically spend according to whomever Gartner. That is not right. the same thing. Okay. So what is your objective? So you're going to spend, so that's a consideration. Like, are you trying to go from 10 million to 20 million? Do you have giant competitors up against you? Okay. That's going to impact your budgeting. Um, what are your objectives? Right. Um, and so I don't know if you can hear that. Can you hear Shadow? Is that Mark? is that Commander? Is that Commander? Yeah, you that's, got Biden's dog coming after us. I do. Us there, he's coming up here. Um, he's all fired up. Uh, okay. But you know, we got through this topic fairly quickly, and see, we're all fired up, and it's not boring, is it? It's like no, it's like this is so crucial. 
Um, what stage of the business, the life cycle of the business, where are you in that? Or, or where's, what's the life cycle of your industry? Like all these yes. things you have to take into account. Now, this sounds exhausting, but that's where people like us come in. Yeah, I think you're absolutely... We, our gut is really good because we've seen it's the same problems and with similar customers and in different industries, and we see the similarities, and, and our experience can help sort out that complexity and just eliminate the wrong answers right out of the gate and not even ask those questions uh, because we kind of know where you should be and what that looks like. But when it comes to budgeting, whoever's making the budgeting decision, some of it's going to be your gut, right? It's not all just Mr. Spock and mathematics. Um, there's a bit of Kirk in there. Um, and uh, you, and that, that, I think, speaks to how risk adverse are you, right? And so... Um, you know, you, you mentioned, though, the stages of the life cycle and... and you know, like whether you said, whether it's the industry, the organization, their product or their service that yeah. they're at, you are absolutely right. That is so important when it comes to budgeting because you know this more than anybody. It's like sometimes people, when they, when we get to them sometimes or they get to us, I don't want to say it's almost too late, but it's like, what were you thinking? You were doing so well before and now you're already either in the mature stage or the decline. It might take a lot more for them to get back up or get, you know, innovate some new products or whatever, but it's like, they've waited, they, they enjoyed the glory years and they've done nothing, you know? So it's like, yeah, that needs to be factored in as well. Well, you know, we do this every week and that sounds like a great topic for uh, next week, maybe as we talk about life cycles and, and what is the life cycle of your industry? Are you in a very mature industry? Are you in a declining? Are you Kodak and right. film is on the way out? Or are you, Who's Kodak? Uh, I don't know. It's some, I think it's a bear of some kind. Okay. Ooh, I'm not ooh. sure. From Alaska. Uh, well, I know they're not Fuji. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think life cycle is a crucial thing. And it, it also literally changes the tactics that you might choose. So if you're in a, a growth stage or an early adopter stage, exactly. what, what you do, because that's always a big question. Should we do SEO or should we do PPC? Like those are the only two things, right? SEO or PPC? Well, what is your objective and does it make sense for your customer? And where are you in the life cycle in your industry? Are you selling to 14-year-olds? Then probably TikTok. Um, although TikTok has grown up, I have to say, their demographics have changed a lot. There's a lot of older people on TikTok. Boomers are on TikTok, Bill. Yeah. The boomers are on there. I know, I know. Uh, um, can I mention one more thing before we wrap this up? You betcha. One of the things that no matter what type of budget you decide to go to, one of the things that I think is absolutely critical is for you to either have an extra 10 to 12% that you hold back or that you keep in reserve because stuff is always going to come up. You need a contingency plan. And, and sometimes have a contingency. Be, yeah, it might be that we've all of a sudden got a better deal with maybe the radio station, if we're going to do radio ads or whatever it might, but, or it might be a crisis situation that emerges that we need to do something. But so many times I just see organizations don't consider the contingency plan and then they go, no, that we're out of money. We can't do that. And it's like, you really needed to, and, and they don't. So, you know, in our, in our really master marketing blueprint, we actually have a line item there where you have a percentage that you can pop in there and it creates a contingency budget uh, because, you know, it's going to go wrong. If it can go wrong, it'll go wrong, and you want to have a little money there. But uh, hey, man, what a what a see! I told you it was a great topic, and and uh, uh, encourage you to check out the the link and the the sister video to this one, and join us next week, eleven o'clock Central Time, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on. Uh, 
Blitzen, on Donner, iTunes, everywhere fine podcasts are consumed. B2B Marketing Mindset. We want to help you grow your business. We want to share our knowledge, demystify this this nasty thing called marketing. Um, I think that's enough information for anyone that's lasted here to the end. This is where, you know, you get some sort of Easter egg. I think, isn't this where we stand up and give them a round of applause? Yes, if you've made it to the end, if you've made it this far, we're just going to clap for you. And we will see you next time. B2B Marketing Mindset. Over and out. Thanks, Bill. Good stuff. Budgeting. Very exciting. I changed my my name on the top now. Instead of Bill Boring, it's going to be (laughs) Bill Exciting. Here. Ah, there's that music coming in. You are listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Lowell. We want to help demystify marketing to reduce risk, drive more and better opportunities, and grow your business. Are you ready to master marketing?